Romans 15, 14 through 17, it says, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. Yet I have written to you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. Thank you. You may be seated. It's been said, right, that life is a series of small choices, right, that you just each day choose, choose, and that all those small choices added up are super powerful, okay? One choice that I hope you have heard from the front, sometimes I have a hard time really knowing, like, man, are we just doing this church thing because it's we're in America and like that's just what we do? Or is God real? Is he the maker of heaven and earth? Did he design it so that we were to know him through his son Jesus Christ and faith in him? These are all things that scripture says, right? However, I think sometimes I just get in this flow of doing church and doing Sunday school and doing youth group and doing those things, right? And, and it's like, hmm. But then as a pastor, when I pull myself away from that position, when I pull myself away from the church, I too personally have to choose. So I'm not paid to be a Christian. I'm not paid to, to do this thing. I, it's a choice of mine each day to say, do I believe what the scripture says about God? Do I believe what I've experienced in my own life and where God has shown himself real to me? Do I believe what nature is proclaiming to me? So last night I got to help out with the gala at Loon. Loon does this big event where they raise funds to uh, do a local community fund, which is really, really cool. Uh, what's cool about the Loon Fund that it used to be supported by the Coca-Cola machines at Loon. No joke. There was Coca-Cola machines in the maintenance room. There was Coca-Cola machines, you know, in, in different employee areas. And the funds each year for that would go to this thing called the Loon Community Fund. And there was a board of directors that allocated where those funds go, whether it's a family that was in need or a crisis that happened or somebody that, you know, was going through an illness or a disease or a natural disaster or fire. You know, it could, it could help these people. Well, I don't know what happened, but something happened with the vendors or whatever, and the machines went away. The, the vending machines went away, and there was no community fund. Well, the, the Loon's 50th anniversary was, like, I think two years ago. And so they decided to do this big ball called the gala, the 50th anniversary, the golden ball or whatever, and they all had a big party, and part of it was to raise money to start this community fund again. It went so well, it was so successful, that they decided that every year now they're going to do this in gala. Now, I have to be honest, when I go and help them, I am a bit jealous. It's amazing to me the support and, 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 and just like I watch them do their, 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 their fundraiser and I think how hard we work at our fundraiser. We work very diligently at our, and I know they do too, but they just, they, they, they raised about $30,000 last night in like a blink of an eye and I was like, what just happened? That was incredible, you know? And but it was it was beautiful. And one of the things I got to do last night is I got to go to the summit <clears throat> 
And you know our luminaries that we have for Christmas Eve? They asked us to put those luminaries out because they do a gondola ride to the summit for appetizers and drinks at the Summit Cafe in the dark, which is really, really cool. And our luminaries go from the top of the gondola over to the Summit Cafe on this, I laid down carpets. So carpets and luminaries will take you over to the Summit Cafe. It's really quite cool. But I got to hang out there last night and... I was alone on top of the mountain. I, was, I rode a snowmobile up and was putting out those carpets and was putting out those luminaries. And the sun was setting over Musalak. And I got to go out on the Summit Cafe deck just by myself. And this is how cool God is, right? Here I am. I'm the chaplain at Loon Mountain. I'm used to doing services up there with 700 people, 30 people, 50 people, 90 people, 10. But I'm always with a group of people, right? Here I am alone. Just me and God. And that sun was absolutely gorgeous. Unbelievable. Right? And I'm like, man, it's so cool to be up here alone. And then I hear a snowmobile and Nathaniel comes running by me. <laughs> he did, actually. He's up there working too. I'm like, hey, Nathaniel. <laughs> I know that guy. But it was, just, it was just cool for me. And it's moments like that. Do I choose? Do I choose to believe, to put my faith, hope, and love, and trust in the maker of that sun? Because... It's really easy not to. It's really easy to say, you know, in, 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 in anyone's life, just look at the negative. Whether it's disease or death or financial woes or relationship woes in a marriage or children deciding to do their own thing, you know, or whatnot. It's, it's, it's easy to choose to, to, to not think about those things, right? Negatively. I heard a really cool story that illustrates the power of choice. There was this individual that worked that everyone knew. His name was Nick. He was at this big you know, job. And everyone knew him. And everyone knew him because he was so positive. Every time you saw Nick, you'd say, hey, Nick, how you doing? And he'd say, if I was any better, I'd have to be twins. You know, every time, every time you saw Nick, he's like, oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing awesome. You know, finally, one day a coworker said, all right, Nick, what's the deal? It's kind of annoying, bro. Like, you're just always doing that good. And Nick's like, listen, I determined a while ago that I, each day I just, I just have a choice. I can just choose to be doing well, or I can choose to not be doing well. I can, I can, I can just choose. And, you know, the coworker's like, ah, I've heard that, okay, whatever. Well, some time lapses, and, he, and the coworker hears that Nick had a tragic accident. He'd fallen off a service tower about 30, 40 feet and had absolutely crushed himself and was laying on the floor and uh, laying on the ground and was, like, not doing well at all. And uh, the paramedics arrived and talked to Nick or whatever, but... You know, Nick could tell in their eyes that he might probably not going to make it. And then he got to the to the hospital, and he said it got even worse. He said he was laying there on the stretcher, and he was bringing him into the ER, and he could tell in the nurse's eyes, and he could tell in the doctor's eyes that he's a goner. And so, like like most ERs do, a nurse came over and says, "Are you allergic to anything?" And Nick says, yes, yes, I am. Everyone stops, obviously, because, okay, what's he allergic to? And from his, from his stretcher, Nick goes, gravity. I'm allergic to gravity. <laughs> and the place just busted a gut, right? And he looks at the doctor and he goes, do surgery on me like a man who's living. I have chosen to live. I want to live. And he said it changed the atmosphere of that ER, of the OR, of the doctors. You could see their faces change. 
And that's the story that he told his coworker when he got back. And his coworker saw him in a wheelchair, never to walk again. And his coworker said, Nick, man, how you doing? And Nick goes, if I'd be any better, I'd be twins. He's like, what? How? What? He goes, I made a choice. And that day, as I laid on the ground and I looked at the sky, I said, I'm going to choose to live. I'm going to choose to live. And he goes, when the doctors around me, I could see in their face, they weren't choosing that for me. I just had to help them choose it for me. And it was like, wow. You know? I have no idea if that story is real. It was a story that I just read in a book. But it's kind of cool, huh? It's like that, that illustration, that power of choice. I'm allergic to gravity. That was awesome. That was really, really good. All right. So if you would look at your scripture here, um, I, 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 I must have copied and pasted this wrong to, 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 uh, to Drew. I was going to have it go a little bit further. Um, so if you wouldn't mind, if you have a pencil or a pen, um, add this to there. Where am I? It's funny, when I was about ready to start my, well, I was ready to start the church service, I don't know if you were looking, I was running around trying to find my cell phone. I didn't know where it was, right? And I had my notes on my cell phone for my sermon. But then I realized, when do I ever really use my notes anyway? I do take notes through the week, right? They, they, they are on here. What was really funny one time, I did a wedding up on Loon, and um, the, they, they wanted me to do the vows. They wanted me to write the vows, because they had heard me do some vows from some of the people that I had written. Well, I'm a bullet point guy. I, I use one word that reminds me of a story, or I use one word that reminds me of a point. And my handwriting is hen scratch. I mean, absolute hen scratch. So we do the wedding. That was wonderful. Great. Awesome. About two months later, the, 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 the bride's dad calls me up and said, hey, you by chance wouldn't have a copy uh, of those vows, would you? And I was like, well, I, ooh, I don't know. I usually just write you know, them down on a piece of paper. And then a lot of times what I do is my, my wedding folder, is the, my wedding no- notebook, as soon as, I'm, as soon as I'm done the wedding, like in the back of the church, I take all of the information out of that and I throw it in the trash. Because one time I didn't, and it kind of collected a bunch of different weddings. And I was standing at the front reviewing my notes, and I'm looking at the bride coming down. I go, that is not Ashley. (laughs) And this is not Rory. Oh, no. I know it's not them. And thank the Lord for technology, because in my Google Documents, I had actually had the wedding that was happening saved in Google Documents. I just hadn't had printed it. And I had put, I had printed it, but I had accidentally put two weeks ago's weddings thing. So I never want to miss them up again. So I'm like, ah, oh, I don't know, you know. But I found these notes for this, this gal's vows. I'm not kidding you. It said her name over here. It says his name over there. And... Each vow only had one word, and you could barely even see the word because, A, I don't know how to spell, and, B, I don't write really well. And so I took a picture of it and sent it to the dad. I said, these are the actual notes from your daughter's wedding. And they texted back like, wow. Like, so if I wouldn't have found my phone today, don't worry, it would have been fine. So this goes to verse 17, okay? But then verse 18 says, uh, I will not venture to speak anything except for Christ and what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God. That's what I wanted to add in here. 
leading the Gentiles to obey God. So if you just want to write on the bottom, obey God. That's, that's, that's the point that I want you to get. So I'm going to take you kind of through like some Bible school classes. All right, We're going to do a Bible school class right now. I'm going to try to do my best Bible school um, professor. So there's some Bible school words in here. So if you have a pen, the first Bible school word that I want you to underline is gospel. Um, that's a ways down in there. Where did he say that? Minister of Christ Jesus. Okay, right. I have... I, uh, he gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel. All right, so that's one... Um, Bible school word. You know what? While we're in here, you might as well underline Gentiles. I think I take it for granted that we all know what Gentiles is, but if I didn't go to Bible school, I wouldn't know what Gentiles is. You know, Gentiles is anybody that's not Jewish. Okay? Like, anyone that's not Jewish is a Gentile. By the looks at it, I'm looking at mostly Gentiles right now. I want to see some curly hair over there. But um, mostly Gentiles, I think, right? Um, So mostly Gentiles. So gospel, Gentile, but I just explained that one. Where's the next one? Oh, sanctified. Big one. Sanctified. And then the last one I wanted you to underline was obey. But I didn't, I copied and pasted it wrong to Drew. So down here, obey. So if you just want to put the word obey. So we got, okay? So our first one is the gospel, okay? Where did we get this word gospel? It's actually a very, very, very old, old word. Okay? A king would leave. It's, so a king would create a little kingdom with walls and safety for people. Because back then, you know, you didn't buy land. You killed somebody and took their land. I'm actually not even kidding you. Like, you'd show up, and if I was stronger than you, or if I had, I don't know, more boys than you did, my boys would beat up your boys, and we would take your land. <laughs> it's just how it went back then. So to kind of, like, help create protection from that, kings made kingdoms with walls, and you could live safely within these walls. But... To get more wealthy, a king would like to go out with his army and kill other people and get their land, right? To make bigger, you know, you've all played that game. I don't know exactly what it's called, but I've seen my kids play it before where you go out and make walls out of other things and blah, right? Anyway, so um, that's what kingdoms do. I really sounded like my dad right back there. And... And this king would lead with his army. They'd go out to go and conquer new land, to get more land. But all the folks that were, like, not super good at fighting were all left behind the walls going, I hope he comes back, I hope he comes back, because if he doesn't come back, we are sitting ducks. And someone else is going to come and take over our kingdom. I don't know if they'll treat us as nice as our good king that we love. So they would sit and watch. They'd watch. And then a messenger from the battlefield would come. And he'd be running. But you still didn't know if it was good news or bad news. Right? It's kind of like a text message. Ever gotten, like, ever been, like, waiting? Okay. So Heidi had some tests done on moles on her back. So Heidi has a lot of abnormal moles. They have found melanoma on her before on her nose. So since they've done that, she's now at risk. And we go down every three months. And, you know, it's, it's kind of bizarre. They have a map of Heidi at Dartmouth, which is good. I guess you, that's good, you know. And um, so they test all these moles. Well, they took all these moles, but it was over MLK weekend. I think it was taken on a Wednesday before MLK weekend. So we weren't going to hear about the results until like Tuesday. You know, so that, you know, you're waiting on that message, 
right? And, uh, you know, you get that phone call from that doctor, and I would, poor doctors, that's just going to be really difficult, you know? Praise the Lord. But they say her margins were clear. So that means whatever they took out of her back was at the, uh, they didn't like what they took out, but on the edges of it was good. So that was good. But this is like that. You would be in a tower looking, looking, and you'd see a messenger come. And you're like, but you didn't know if it was good news or bad news until he was in shouting distance. And he would yell, good news, good news, the king has advanced, We're, woo, the boys are coming home, woo, right? And everyone would cheer. Wouldn't be very good when he's like, I'm running so fast because you need to all pack up and we need to get out of here because there's not good news, right? But that's where the word gospel came from. Okay? God is our king. And our king is good. But our king is not a dictator. Our king does not force you to live the way he desires for you to live. We know kings like that. Seen through history. Right? Our king says, no, you have free will in my kingdom. You can choose to live the way you'd like to, even if it's detrimental to you or the people around you. So what happened was the enemy could penetrate the kingdom. Because we can't have free will and walls. Because a lot of times I would, well, geez, if God is so good, why does he allow bad things to happen? If you really think deeply about that, if wasn't allowed bad things to happen, that would mean he would make us all robots. Because if you can choose to break the speed limit, you probably don't. You, uh, maybe not. I'll point right at me. I choose to break the speed limit. <laughs> Heidi does not like it. <laughs> right? Eight, you're fine. Nine, you're mine. Right? Heard that before? <laughs> right on eight, baby. <laughs> you, has anyone ever heard that one? I love that one. Anyway, um, there's some people that was running right over. Um, I choose. It's, I mean, it's not, not cool. It's not great. I had a professor actually in college get, like, very in my face and say that that was a sin. And I was like, ah, what do I do with this now? Like, he's totally coming at me from a real biblical perspective. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I guess, guess, guess you're right. See you, Dr. Gene Olis. Um, you know. And uh, I have no idea where we're going with this story. Dory doesn't either. She's like, what? Yeah, where's the good news? Right? But we can choose. So you can't have a choice. Yeah, slow down, Jim says. He's, he's totally right. I was, I was a little over nine miles an hour right there. Over. Um, we can choose. You can't have that freedom. You cannot have that freedom and not have bad in the world. It, you might say, like me, to G, Dr. Ginolas, dude, me choosing to go five miles an hour over the speed limit, come on. Who is that really hurting? Really? Who is it hurting? Right? But if I can choose to break that law, then who says what law you can and cannot break? Right? God gave us an opportunity to choose him or not to choose him. This whole sermon today is about choices. About choices. And the good news, right, was that we chose to do our own thing. And in choosing to do our own thing, we allowed the enemy in. But 
The good news is that God sent his son Jesus to defeat the enemy. So Jesus came as the messenger. Jesus came, excuse me, as the messenger and said, I've defeated him. Put your faith, hope, and love and trust in me. I am the king. I am the king. That's what the word gospel means. That's what, that's what Paul is talking about in the gospel. That Jesus is real. That he is the son of God. That you are lost without him. I am lost without him. We have all committed this thing the Bible calls sin. It's this word that none of us like that essentially means we've done our own thing. If you don't think we do our own thing, that we're just products of environment, okay, products of our environment... There are some realities to that. Have you ever owned a two-year-old? <laughs> Tell me that my two-year-old was a product of my environment. Like, I did not teach him to smash his sister with a Tonka toy and take it away and say, mine. But did I? Because <laughs> I may have done that with Chinese food with Heidi. <laughs> my crab ragoon. That's mine. You got two already. <laughs> Maybe he did learn it from me. It's my beef teriyaki. Um, so gospel. Ooh, this next one. Sanctified. Sanctified. That's kind of a big word. Right here it says this. It says, so the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? What does sanctify mean? And maybe this analogy will make sense to you, but it's one that God gave me in the middle of the night, and it made a whole lot of sense to me. This is sanctification. Who loved it? And here we go again. It's a Marcus food analogy. Who loved it when your grandmother made apple pie for you? Oh, I still love it when my grandmother makes apple pie for me. But my grandmother, who has passed, right, made apple pie as well, and I loved it. But Grandpa, who's a dairy farmer, would go and get the apples, right? And Grandpa was not a safety-conscious guy or one of those guys, so he would always collect the drops and use the drops, too. These are, these are apples that have already been on the ground. So I grew up riding in the back of pickup trucks, eating drops off the ground and a uh, crib with lead paint. <laughs> now you know what's wrong with me. There, I told you. But a drop, right, has what? Worms. It has big black, you know, brown you know, bruise spots. But what would Grandpa do when we were walking through the apple orchard? Because we had an apple orchard that wasn't quite manicured, but it was still out there. He would take his pocket knife out, right? And you where that hole was, where the worm was, right? He would take the, the, pit, the, the, the point of that knife and go right around that hole and pop that worm out, right? And then what would he do with the big bruise spots? He would take, I can just see his fingers now, right? He would have his thumb on one side of that apple and his knife in the other. And what would he do? He'd shave off that brown spot. And then what you would have left was a really good apple. And then he would just start eating it right there off the ground or hand it to you, throw it to you. So the worm is out now and the big brown spot's out now. That is sanctification, Sanctification is the active work of the Holy Spirit in your life, cutting away, prying out things that are no good, things that are rotten, things that are wormy, things that are bruised. And if you don't think you need that, ask your spouse. We all do. We all do. One God is working on me hard this year is about what other people think of me. 
And whether or not I've made someone else mad or not. And when to care when someone's mad about me and when to say, that's too bad. And it just sounds really, really, really immature because it is. But one way that he's working on me is coaching middle school ski team right now. I had a moment where the middle school ski team was very upset at me last week at Cranmore Mountain. Because I was really upset at them. Because I told them to do something, and they didn't. And the result was that we lost one of our middle schoolers at Cranmore. And I'm like, great, this is my first my first time away. You know, I'm, Mr. Lauchs has given me in charge, and I'm like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There should be 11. One, two, three, four, don't move. Four, no, did I count, you know, I'm like, shoot, I'm coming up with ten. Ah, you know, I'm like, did you, what, what you got, I told you to wait to the top. Why didn't you not wait to the top? you know and um, they were all like because you don't know what you're doing you didn't tell us exactly what to do you know and I'm like that that did that make me mad I was like whoa, whoa right and now right I get really mad at them but I get on the bus and it's like awkward you know because I'm mad at them they're mad at me and what's so immature about it is I'm like my ego and my like feelings are hurt that 10 year olds are mad at me <laughs> I'm so I'm so insecure. I'm like, what is wrong with me right now? And I'm like, I don't have anyone to talk to on the bus. Because everyone's mad. I'm glad there's a bus driver here. Hey, buddy, how's it going? I need to call my mom. You know? But that God's word, that's sanctification. It's, it's that knife that comes and takes that bruise spot out of you. That takes that worm out of you. And folks... Us as Americans spend multi-billion dollars to avoid that knife. And we as American Christians justify all the time to avoid that knife. And if you do, you will never heal. If you do, you will never be whole. That's sanctification. And, and what's cool is Paul says this is his work. His work is to help people be sanctified, not by his doing, but by what? By the Holy Spirit. And so as a pastor, I cannot sanctify you. I'd love to. I'd love to say, here's your problem. You're judgmental. And I got a knife, and I can help that right now. You know? But it's not my job. My job as a pastor is to encourage you, to support you, to help you become more in love with your maker. Because the more you're in love with the maker, the more you trust him. And you say, okay, Dad, yeah. Go for it. You know? Do you think it was fun for Heidi to get... They took a spot out of her back about that far. Right? That's not fun to have that cut away. But... It's got in it what the what the doctors are like. We don't like. It's on the. It's like the, in, in 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 you know in pre melanoma. It's like light to dark is what they call it on a scale. And this this part of Heidi's you know back was dark dark dark. Right? It's not fun. But you do oh, we are so pumped that we have technology now that can see that, and we have technology that can say hey. We can cut that out of you and stitch you back up. And in a week and a half, you'll, you'll really be back to normal. Right? That's what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. 
Your sickness, your sin is a disease. Your pride, your jealousy, your anger, your, you know, your lust, your, you just name it. Ah, I'm first in line. First in line. Me. Right? So that means if your pastor's first in line, you better be right next to me. We need sanctification. The other thing, part of the apple pie story, that sanctification, what would Grammy do? Grammy would roll out the dough. And then what would Grammy do? She would cut a circle. Right? One, because we want a nice circle. But two, sometimes the edges of that dough are what? Dry and cracked and lumpy and not so great. So she'd cut around and get the good stuff. That's what the Holy Spirit, and you know what's, I don't know, encouraging or discouraging, I'm not sure, but when I talked to an 80-year-old gentleman named Dr. Bob, he was a phenomenal follower of Jesus Christ, and he was like, holy, this dude was holy, right? When he saw you, he'd be like, Marcus, how's your soul today? And he'd say it and look right in you, like, oh, it's, uh, I don't know, I don't think he's doing very good, you know? But Dr. Bob, I said one time to Dr. Bob, you know, I'm a young guy, and I go, Dr. Bob, when does struggle with lust go away? And he turned around at an 80-year-old man, he goes, never. He goes, until you see your maker, he goes, the Holy Spirit will continue to dig and dig and dig that out of you. I didn't know whether to be encouraged or discouraged. I was like, thanks, Dr. Bob, I think, you know. It was, it was encouraging to know that a man of such faith and such wisdom and such just I would idol holiness is like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm still human. I'm still vulnerable. I'm still weak. The Holy Spirit is still working on me. But then part of me was discouraged. I was like, oh, man, to be as old as you is going to take me 70 years. So that's a long time to have this trial. Like 70 years is going to take me to be your age. Ah! You know? Sanctification is the process of the Holy Spirit taking out of you what is not good for you, what is not good for those around you. And at first, when you become a believer, it feels kind of good. Oh, yeah, I can, I can watch a little less TV or maybe not that show or let's give up swearing or I probably shouldn't smoke or I shouldn't drink as much. I shouldn't eat as much. These are all just, I mean, I know that those are real struggles, right? But those are sometimes the ones that like feel good to get rid of. But then he comes knocking and says, you know, Marcus, the way that you treat Heidi in this regard is not so hot. You really should knock it off. It's like, okay, oh, wow. I don't, that's, man, now you're asking me to change me. You know? And that's sanctification. And then the last one was obey. This is Paul's calling. Do you guys remember two weeks ago we preached about how Paul had hope? Paul had hope because he knew his calling. And his calling... His calling was to help people be sanctified by the Holy Spirit, to show them that it was, that was a good process, and two, to obey God. And I think that's where legalism comes from. Because we as a pastor, this is our calling. My calling is to help you be, to, to, to know that sanctification from the Holy Spirit is good, and my calling is to help you obey God. That's where legalism, I think, comes from. Because that's a really hard-moving target. 
I can't just say, oh, yep, now all you guys are obeying God really well and you're all sanctified. I can check that box. No. Being a pastor is not like mowing the lawn. I think that's why I like mowing the lawn. Because you can mow the lawn and turn around and say, what? That was unmowed and now it's mowed. But working alongside people through sanctification and obeying is really gray. Really gray. And so I think that's where legalism comes in. Because if I can make you wear certain clothes to church, then I know. I can see, okay, you're wearing what I asked you to wear. Thank you. You're obeying me. Right? Or if I can make you sing a certain song or a certain way or a certain style, right? Or if I can make you all not do a certain thing in society like music or movies or playing cards or, I don't know, going to Walmart or whatever. You know, there's been some weird ones out there. There's definitely churches that don't let their people go to Walmart, you know? There's probably hippies that don't let that happen either. But anyway, um, have you ever noticed that your very, very, very conservative friends and your extremely, extremely, extremely liberal friends are actually a lot alike? You guys should hang out. You both want to not be part of society. Like, perfect. That'd be great. You know? So funny. I, um, I, uh, anyway, never mind. Obey. Do you know what? Jesus says this. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. Obedience comes from loving God and trusting his love for you. Loving God and knowing his love, feeling his love, believing his love, trusting his love. I love children because they are a great illustration of that. We went up to check out the bombing site up um, up on Musalak. What a cool hike that is. What a cool, that's just cool. If you haven't gone up and checked out the bombing site, you totally should. The, the bomber that crashed up there. And then you should read the story too. But Jesse was like three, I think. And on the, ri- on the walk down, we were with like the Martin boys and I think we were with the Whedon boys. And they're quite a bit older than Jesse. Um, they climbed up this rock, right? And Jesse went up after him and they all could get down but jesse couldn't he was three so now jesse's about probably eight to twelve feet up on this rock ledge and he can't get down right but all the other boys like scampered down and ran off and so then i come and i see this whimpering redhead third three-year-old going "Ah." what do i do as a dad i said bro let's go jump down come on jump right His complete leap, right, is completely trusting in me, completely trusting in my love for him. He knows I desire good for him. He knows I desire good for him. And and, and his, his, I don't know if it's necessary, his, maybe it's his love to jump, I don't know, but he just sent it, you know. My (laughs) girls might have not have been like, do he really love me? (laughs) One time he definitely failed. And if he fails at this one, it's not going to be good. Jesse's like, yeah! I'm like, no, I'm not ready! You know. That's like us. Obeying comes when we know God's love and we love him back. And that's obedience. That's obedience. As you know, it's really exciting. Um, God's doing some cool things down in Waterville. 
And this is what's just beautiful about God. He continues to open doors, and he brings us to places we never thought we'd be before. So we got kind of a unique opportunity next week. Next week we are going to do an 8 o'clock church service again at Waterville, which is really exciting. So I'll be doing the 8 o'clock church service at Waterville, and I'll be doing the 11.30 up on top of the mountain. Drew and the crew is going to be doing this one. And then in March we're going to flip. Drew's going to take it down to Waterville, and he's going to run the Waterville service in the mountaintop. And you're all stuck with me the whole time, um, which is cool. But what's incredible about doors that are God is opening, you just really never know. So I, I would really encourage your prayers. I think myself, I think Eunice and probably uh, Andre, our treasurer of our board, are going to be down there. And um, a special family happens to be vacationing at um, Waterville next week, and they've requested a private church service just for their family. So at 9 o'clock next week, we're going to be giving a private church service for the Kennedys. So you can be praying for us. That's really cool. It's another just a door that's opening that God's saying, hey, you know, what's really crazy is that the Kennedys heard about it through the social media of Waterville, right? That, that there's a church service happening up on top of the mountain. They said, that's kind of cool. We'd, we're up there. We'd like, we'd like one of those church services too. So really cool. Don't know what God's doing. God's door is opening. I don't know if they know who I am. <laughs> like, I'm just a Westerner from Maine, but pretty cool. So we're really excited about that, what God's going to do. Um, it's, it's nothing special. It's just a chance to share God with another another family and a big a big enough family. They're there to commemorate uh, the 50th anniversary of Bobby's death, and they have uh, a run down there called Bobby's Run. Bobby was super involved in Waterville, and um, I know all you guys. I just dated you. I'm sorry. <laughs> 50 years. You know. I know. I know. So you know, one of the things that God, you know, when I got that phone call yesterday, one of the things that God just brought to my heart is, is to thank them, to thank the Kennedy family. It's not easy being in the spotlight. Good, bad, or indifferent. You know, a lot of people have opinions about you. We don't. We don't know them really. I mean, we know a picture of them, right? And so, in, in, in each society. I don't know if we need that, but we all get that. We all have these. And I don't know if they one day were like, hey, we're going to be that family. I don't know. But uh, just to thank them, you know, like to thank them for being in the spotlight for so many years as America, whether good, bad, or indifferent. That's not an easy role. Um, so anyway, um, so you can be praying for that. It's just something that God's opened the door. I don't know. Uh, it's really cool. We're going to do another one in March for Waterville, and then we're going to do some more this summer down at the golf course. So um, Drew and Nathan are going to lead the charge um, of the Waterville ones. I think it's going to be in the evening at the golf course, uh, which is pretty cool in the summertime. And then we'll see. <coughs> Excuse me. Who does God rise up for a team? Who's God got ready to go down to Waterville? How does all that work? We're going to trust him. He's opening doors, and we'll see. So, Lord, we thank you so much for this opportunity to get in your word. We thank you for the reminder of choices. Choices. We have choices every, every moment in front of us. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your surgery on our lives. We thank you that you are willing to do that. By, by your power and your grace, Lord, we, we, we lay ourselves down. We willingly submit and say, Lord, get it out. Get it out. Let's go. And uh, give us strength and wisdom to do that. We love you. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for this church and their willingness to gather, their willingness to support this movement. Lord, we're just going to continue to take your name, lift it up. You've told us when we do that, you're going to bring people to know you. So that's what we're going to keep on doing. And uh, sometimes we don't do it the greatest. Sometimes we make fools of ourselves. Sometimes it's, it comes out wrong or different. But we're just going to keep lifting your name up. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.